0: Hallelujah, I heard that, amen, thank you Lord, um, we got all, I know she's in there, that's cool, we got everybody situated with kid care that needs his kid care and all that stuff, we're good, okay, all right, um, I've got my, hang on here, we had some issues up here with this thing, it didn't want to, it's not wanting to cooperate, but it's okay, we're going to make it through anyway, right, amen, hallelujah, uh, Bible Hub, there we go, all right, so, how many read and studied their lesson? How many got on Bible Hub and was thoroughly confused? And <laughs> <I'm too old. coughs> do what? Phone. Your phone's too old? Okay, I get that too. All right. You're just, you're just going to have to get the old strongs out, man. I mean, you, you could kill a, a giant with that thing, man. Uh, you could at least reach things on the top shelf, stand on that thing. So, um, do anybody have any questions about any of that that we talked about? Last week. I'll be quick here. Yes, ma'am. I a question about the okay, the Nephilim. I knew somebody was going to bring this up. <laughs> that's okay. That's what we're here for. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I'm going to have to separate you two right now. I can see this. So they were the giants, is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yes, half men, half spirit being, demonically, yes, and, and here's the thing, this is going to seem really far-fetched to the natural mind, okay, but remember, Lucifer, Satan, ha, Satan, can produce nothing, so what he does is he counterfeits, so what is he trying to do? He's trying to create his own people, God's got his people, Satan comes in and says, I can't create these, so what I'll do is I'll mess it all up if you will. So go ahead. He was. He was a Nephilim. Was he yes. It did. Well, then how did he get there? That is a great question. <laughs> As we study, and here's the thing I don't want to take too much time on this, but as we study out, we're going to see the same language being used uh, in the old, or excuse me, in the New Testament, Paul makes a statement. He says, "The men of old, the men of renown, okay? He's referring to the Nephilim. They were in that generation. It wiped them all out at that moment, okay? And they had to repopulate. But by this time, Noah and his family, they're repopulating, right? And so when you start seeing this, you go, okay, this makes a lot of sense, that there's some people out here that they just don't fit the mold. What's going on here, right? It's like, okay, don't go around calling people nephilims, okay? <laughs> so you must be a ne- Every NBA player is a nephilim, right? <clears throat> just being giant was not their only characteristic. There are some, and we talked about this before too, uh, some people believe that one of them, they had six fingers and six toes on each hand. Um, huh? Yeah, and so we don't know if that's all that was a telltale. What I'm saying is we have to be very careful that we don't read something like that. They had six fingers, six toes, and then say everybody that has six fingers or six toes is a Nephilim. That's not, right? So there's things in there that we have to be careful. We We don't create entire theologies off of one verse, right? But yes, that was a distinguishing characteristic that they were very tall, big, and that some of them had six fingers, six toes. So there again, would that not... Let us know that they were imperfect, like really imperfect. Like we're imperfect, right? We're messed up, but they were really messed up, right? I mean, they had things that they, you know, uh, like, you hear, what's that guy's name? Uh, was his name Robert or something, the world's tallest man? Um, you know, before he died, they interviewed him and talked about him, and he was talking about the pain that he lived in every day because he, his frame could not support his, his body, basically. And so, yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of torment and stuff that came with that. Giantism, if you will. So the that our building perhaps, he was I thought you were gonna tell me he was a nozzle <laughs> <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. So when were were Nephilims finally uh extinguished? They weren't. They were, they were done away with at the flood, but they came back. Remember, this is a spirit. Yes, yes, yeah. If you're taller than five, no, I'm just kidding. Everybody hold up your hands like this. Yeah. Hey, Steve's not an Elflam. Yeah. One, two, three. Yeah. Steve's not an Elflam. We're pretty sure about that. He's an elf. Oh, man. He's an Elflam. Yeah, not a nephilim. I'm telling you, we have too much fun. Amen. Hey, listen, it's your fault if we stay longer than we're supposed to. All right. No, listen. Here's the deal, though. These are these are interesting things. I mean, have have you ever thought about that? I mean, before last week, you know, there's a few of you, but I mean, this is not something that's talked about on on a normal basis. How many times you sit down with your girlfriends for a cup of coffee? So let's talk about the nephilims. What? They'd look at you like you had three heads or something, like you had six fingers and six toes. all right? So maybe that's a that's the saying that we can start using. You know, what are you you looking at me like I got six fingers and six toes? What are you talking about, nephilim? But it's interesting, and we are going to talk about demons, devils, all that kind of stuff later on. That's level three. Uh, We're going to get into all that whole doctrine, understanding, all that kind of good stuff. Okay, just know there is a difference between a devil and a demon. All right, devils are like the they they are fallen angels. Uh, They're like your guardian angels. So just like you have been assigned a guardian angel angels to your life, you have. Um, you have demonic angels, if you will, demonic spirits that are assigned to you, okay? Do, you know do what? Really do yes, yes. So you understand we talked about a little bit that there's a hierarchy in the angels, okay? Cherubim are the highest ranked, uh, then seraphim, and then, or our, excuse me, uh, cherubim, cherubim, Seraphim, and... Uh, I just went blank, but there's three orders, Okay. So you've got the cherubim, which was the six that we talked about, uh, Archangel Michael, uh, Gabriel, Raphael, and uh, Lambden. Help me. Ranks, like, yes, those, are, those would be your generals, if you would, okay? And then you had uh, Lucifer, which wasn't his name, and then Abaddon. And it said a third of the angels fell out of the heaven. So we think it's Satan and he took a third of the angels. No, six, a third is two. Those two angels were cast out, okay? Uh, Satan and Abaddon, and they took all of their hierarchy with them. That was the third of the angels that fell, okay? So, and here's the thing. Does that matter anything about salvation? Nope. But it's interesting stuff to know. I'll promise you this. If you begin to understand that, just in its smallest, you start going, wait a minute. This makes sense. Some scriptures and things, right? When you're dealing with people, hmm, this makes sense. <laughs> what is Abaddon? That was the angel of death, okay? So, um, anyway. Lesson one, 15 minutes in, hallelujah. Um, eternal life, I like this. I think sometimes that we don't express our salvation because we're not really sure about our salvation. I don't know that sounds strange. That's, that's like strange language in a, in a, a church, isn't it? Uh, I was talking with um, uh, Dan. We, we had uh, lunch with him before he had to go back to the airport. And he was talking about some things, and I said, Dan, isn't it weird that the language you're talking about is foreign to most Christians when it should be regular communication amongst us, right? He said he has people back home that, like, get upset because he's happy, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, I said, I know, I, I tell people all the time, there, there are no bad days in the kingdom, and they look at you like you've got six fingers and six toes, Right? <laughs> I mean, it's like there are no bad days in the kingdom. I mean, let's think about it. In its worst day, I heard a guy say one time, you know, here on earth, this is the worst hell that we will ever experience. And for sinners, those who have, are unrepented, this is the best heaven they're ever going to see. It's all about perspective. It's all about where you're coming from. So, if you set in your, in your mind, I mean, you know, uh, Darren, I think it was Darren and I were talking about, you know, when Dan was talking about getting up in the morning. And you get up in the morning like, man, I'm, I'm here to shine instead of time to make the donuts, right? Everybody's the, the grunge. Yeah. <laughs> it's the grunge. No, it's life in, to its fullest, right? And so that ties into where we are here with eternal life. So, what's eternal life? What did we learn? What do we find out in this lesson? Okay, let's expand on that. Quality and quantity. What is, what's he talking about? Quality and quantity. Is what? Okay, so let's talk about that as it pertains to eternal life. How can you have quality and quantity of eternal life? Okay, maybe we need to do this. Let's back up. Brian's not wrong, but let's ask this question again: What is eternal life according to this lesson? What is it? Knowing God. John 17:2, right? This is eternal life. Got your Bibles? Can I? Uh, no. I, can I say this? John 17:3. I was off one. So stunned me. <laughs> when I read my Bible, it doesn't have numbers, okay? It's the original letters. <clears throat> uh, verse 3, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. This is red letters in my Bible. That means it's Jesus talking. <clears throat> if Jesus is telling us what eternal life is, pretty good that we should probably bank on it. So if you were to ask <clears throat> your girlfriends, your friends, your family, um, how would they explain eternal life? How would, how would you explain it? Going to heaven. Never Never dying. Yeah, but you don't <laughs> count. Yeah, you don't count. You can't say that.
1: <laughs> fire,
0: <laughs> fire insurance Right. I mean, how long is everlasting? Everlasting. (laughs) We can't wrap our minds around that. If If I was to say, well, we see birthdays in, like on Facebook or whatever. When I say birthdays, I'm talking about incredible. Hey, this guy turned 118. This lady turned, you know, we go, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. What is eternity? I mean, Mephibosheth, right? I mean, even men of old that were living 700, 800, 900 years. You know, Methuselah, 969, right? All these people, huh? That's crazy. Yeah, no, but listen, she makes a great point. She says, that would be too long. You know why it's too long? Because you and I don't have an understanding of eternal life. We don't understand that eternal life started the day we said yes to Jesus. They lived 969 years, but they did not live with pain in their body. They did not live with regret, aging. Oh, my goodness, I'm getting old, right? Everywhere you see, everywhere you go, they're reminding you that you're not getting younger. That's why you need to buy our serum. That's why you need to buy our health drinks. That's why you need to buy, that's why you need to purchase, that's why you need to go on this vacation. That's why you need to, it's all about remind you. Why did, when they were in the garden, um, what was those two people's name, Adam and Eve? When they were in the garden, and it says in the Bible that God told them, the day you eat of it is the day you will die, which that word there is uh, multi-translated, die, die. You're going to die physically and you're going to die spiritually, Okay. Why didn't Adam die? Why didn't Adam die that day? He said, you're going to die physical too. Huh? He, he, he did begin to die. But why didn't he die right then? So why did it take 900 years? Because what? plan. Okay. Can I tell you real simple? Nobody told him he was supposed to. Nobody was saying, man, Adam, you're looking kind of shabby today, brother. Here's some black balloons to celebrate your 150th. You're not as young as you used to be, Eve. Can you hear Eve? Well, Well, I'll just tell you right now, you're not as young as you used to be, right? He didn't know he, didn't know he was supposed to die. He was created never to die. Right now, God told him you're gonna die. All right, so let's go past uh, Adam and let's get out here to Noah. Let's get out here to um, try to think of one of the men of old. Well, there again, Mephibosheth. Right, why didn't those men die early? Nobody told them, nobody said you're supposed to die at 80. We have a statistical data that says the average. Age of man is blank, and they insert a number. And the closer you get to that number, the closer everything starts happening, right? Why? Because you've been programmed to believe that. This Bible doesn't talk about that program. It does. It says, renew your mind, right? But it doesn't say, hey, I tell people this all the time. When you go home, people tell me, oh, I'm terminal. I've got this terminal disease. Really? Really? The doctor said, i got three months to live. When you get home tonight, take your shoes off, look on the bottom of your feet, and see if you have an expiration date. You probably don't. I get it. I understand what the doctor's trying to do. He's looking at the statistical averages. He's looking at all the data that he has. I'm not against the doctor. I'm just saying, hey, wait a minute. You don't get to make that choice. <laughs> right? That's between me and God. And the reason I say it's between you and God is because you can say, well, I don't know if I believe that or not live to be I don't know well guess what you're probably not going to live to be hundred twenty
1: a, a a yeah
0: yeah but and what do we do we compare? And listen, do not take this as a a reason to go out and go against your medical advice, okay? I believe it was Heidi Baker who told a story one time that she got really sick, and they finally ended up having to take her to the doctor. And whatever she was having going on with, I can't remember exactly what it was. It had a name or whatever, but they told her, if you don't eat the best food you can eat, like don't eat junk food, you've got to eat good food, all right? And you have to rest, you cannot be up expending energy that you don't have. Da, 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 da. You've got to rest. If you don't, you're going to die. And she said, thanks, doc. And she went home. She started a fast, and she ran three miles every day. And within about a week, she was completely fine. Came back. The doctor said, what'd you do? You know, this is great. You've been, you've been doing it? She said, nope. What'd you do? I fasted, and I, and I ran every day. What? Blew their minds. I'm not telling you that if the doctor tells you to lay down and rest, that you should go climb Mount Everest. That's She heard from the Lord. Okay, that's the big key here: is that she heard from the Lord. Okay, what I am saying though is that she heard and she followed Him. Right? You say, well, "Yeah, but what if she had died? What if?" You tell me, "What if?" She have glorified Him. Right? I mean, here's what we're not getting, and, and Dan mentioned this uh, week. You've heard me say this. I'm going to say it again. There's three ways that you overcome your enemy. Word of your testimony, blood of the Lamb, and not loving your life even unto death. That's why we don't say that one a lot because it's really uncomfortable. (laughs) But, yes ma'am. Yes. No. No. In, in all the things that we do to ourselves you know what I mean um, this is going to sound strange to you but we were never really designed to work 40 hours a week Amen. Amen. We, were des- we were designed to work every day if you look at ancient um, civilizations some of them that lived very long healthy lives um, we make fun of the uh, Latino population because they would take siestas Right? They'd shut the stores down at noon, like noon to two. They'd go home and rest, take care of themselves. You know, about the only thing that was open was, you know, maybe the infirmaries, right? If you had to cut your arm off or something, you know, to take care of you. But other than that, we're gonna go we're gonna go rest. Um, if you look at uh, the ancient, like if you go to Papua New Guinea, places that people still wear loincloths and run around, <laughs> right? I mean these people are, are old. Um, help me, Sherry. Um, they were talking about, we were watching that on TV and they went to a certain area and these people were living to be like 120, 100. the doctor came in and he was like, how old are you? But he said what was more even more fascinating that these 120 and 130 year old people did not look it. They looked like they were 50 and 60. What happened is this doctor came into town he's like, I need to, kind of a small town, small village if you will, and so he's like, I need to get your, your history, tell me about yourself. Well, you just saw my dad. And he was like, who's your dad? Oh, so-and-so. He's like, that was your dad? How old are you? And he's like, well, I'm 91. You know, this guy was like 118. I'm, I'm 91. This is my son. He's 72. This is his son. He's, you know, 65. I mean, Whatever math. I mean, 13 or whatever. But, you know, <laughs> what I'm saying is that you've got seven and eight generations of people. We think if you see a picture of four or five generations, oh, my goodness, they have arrived. They literally had eight and nine generations of people living at one particular time. But they were very um, low-key people, right? In Renewing Your Mind, we found out what is 95% of sicknesses caused by? Stress. Stress. Where does that come from? How we receive information. (laughs) If you get on Facebook, I'd love to do a study of your blood pressure and your heart respirations. (laughs) And you get on Facebook and watch it go, woo. Yeah, probably so. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, honey, yeah. I'm twice your age. Yeah. yeah, Do you know how to tell if you're old or if you're young? You're prime prime example. If you fall down and people laugh, you're young. If you fall down and people rush to aid to pick you up, you're old. Okay. So if you fall, no, it, it is true. I mean, because we are when we see. That's right. There you go. That's that's a good that's a good way to put it right there. I don't even know what that means, man. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Well, so what do we see on the Tell A Vision? We see the guy going. You know what? I used to suffer from. Try this. Try this. Use this. Right. What I I like, uh, and I've kind of adopted Andrew Walmack's policy. You know, he said. Him and his wife watching TV one night, and this uh, uh, medicine commercial comes on, talks about all these things, and he's like, no, I rebuke that. In Jesus' name, I'm not having that. You're not, you're not bringing that into my house, right? Yeah. And so we're watching, and it was funny because I'm like, I'm looking at my wife in disbelief. I'm, I'm looking at her like she's got six fingers and six toes. and oh, no. and, the, and the medication was for, like, watery eyes. And if you take it, some of the side effects are... Bleeding out your honey hole. And you know what I'm like? This is disgusting. I'll just take watery eyes, okay? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I'm like, who would take this stuff? Let me ask you this. I asked a doctor friend of mine. He said, Do you know why they put medication um, uh, commercials on TV? You can't go to Coleman's pharmacy or Walgreens and say, Hey, I want to try this. But when you go to your doctor's office, you say, Hey, I saw a deal on TV and I want it. And he goes, Okay. And he, he scripts it for you. They're selling medicine to you, right? They're conditioning you to say, if I got a problem, I'll go take a pill. When really, and don't get me wrong, if you're taking a pill for something, I'm not, I'm not downing you, okay? What I'm saying is, if we get in this word enough, we'll start taking the gospel that will create and cure all of our ailments. Right? No. Yeah. Because you couldn't request it. You weren't a doctor, and they've lobbied, put a lot of money into it, right? So, I don't mean... Well, okay, you're going to have questions again next week, okay? <laughs> Revelations talks about in the end times that one of the ways that they're going to get rid of people <laughs> is pharmakia, witchcraft. The, where we get the word pharmacy is the word pharmakia, which is witchcraft. Brews, concoctions. Listen... So let's go back to the Nephilims right quick because I want to tell you this. One of the reasons God destroyed the earth was because the Nephilims had created these packs with men. And in Enoch, okay, which that's going to be a, another huge can of worms. We won't talk about that tonight, okay? In Enoch, he talks about the Nephilim were teaching men the improper use of God's medicinal plants. What do you think one of those might be? Let me go a little. Let me go a little further. Opioid. Yeah, all these things—they've shown them the wrong way to use them. Because remember, all this thing was created for us, right? And we're walking with this huge plan, and all of a sudden the devil comes and says, "Hey, man, that's pretty. Can I have it?" And you're like, "I don't know." Well, let me just touch it. You know, I don't know. And the next thing you know, the devil's taken it. And when he did, all this stuff got corrupted. Yes madam Yes. Yeah. Well, remember after the flood God told them man's years are going to be 120. Now, well, I mean, think about that. If, 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 man's, if God said 120, okay, let's just say man said um, 50, right? Let's go back 100 years. Girls were getting pregnant in 12 and 13, right? They were getting married because that's the only way they were carrying on their family lines because a lot of time, life was hard, Right? And when I say hard, I'm not saying this, this Bible covers hard life, okay? They could have lived to be long. But because of the averages and what was going on, they were like, we've well, we got to hurry and do this thing, right? We've got to hurry and get married off and start having babies so we can have families and stuff. Because everybody knows, everybody in my family was dead by the time they were 50, you know? And then, of course, we saw horrible things, you know, black death and all that kind of stuff that came through and wiped out the dust bowl. I mean, think about that, what it did just right across the border here in, in Oklahoma. I mean, killed people, drove people away. I mean, horrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so My you see. This year is, um, Mine's
1: 120.
0: How many would you consider yourself to be above average? There you go. That's yeah. Well, and a lot of people re, um, will relate the 120 years to the 6,000 years of Christ, so to speak. And we're, we're in those. If you go by the Jewish calendar, um, let's see, is it, uh, it was last, it's Saturday, last Saturday, 25th, 26th, right? Yeah. Last Saturday was the new, was Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. September the 25th. I'm thinking August. Yeah. September 25th. Rosh Hashanah, uh, 5847, is that right? You're 5847, help me out, something like that. Anyway, 58. 27, 58 something. So if you go by the Jewish, cal- here you go. We don't want to start putting dates and 5784, okay. If we, we don't want to start putting dates and times and all that kind of stuff on things because we know man's going to get it wrong, right? But if you go by the Jewish calendar, And you understand a day is a thousand years, a thousand years, a day. There's a lot of men that have put these kind of things together and said, um, if we look at the age of the earth, which it's not 454 billion, you know, da, 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 which I thought there was an interesting uh, deal, and they were talking about uh, fossilized remains. And they were saying, if we are that many billions of years of age, where are these uh, intermediate fossils? We don't have them. And so uh, carbon dating is not a good way to date things. Um, if you look from a scientific point of view, and when I say scientific, I'm talking about like good science that you learned in eighth grade, right? Like how to how to actually have a control group, right? How to how to set things up so that you have a a, a reasonable hypothesis, right? Conclusion. Anyway, if you look at that, they were talking about a thousand years a day, so six thousand years is going to be the age of man, if you would, and in the end, right? That's not to scare anybody. If that's the truth, Hebrew counter, we still got about another two hundred. You know, 60 years left here or whatever. So, who knows? It may be wrapping up real quick. Right? I mean, so all of this that we're talking about, let me make this point. Whether you live 120, years, let me back up. This is where man falls into a trap. He gets trapped into looking at time. God doesn't know time like we know time. He created time for our benefit and yet it's being used to destroy us, okay? My grandmother died when she was 96. She lived a good long life. Well, she could have lived to 120. She could have, but she lived to be 96. Let me ask you a question. How many have you ever taken, how many ever had one of those uh, vacations of a lifetime? Yep. Okay, every year, all right. How many had an almost uh, vacation of a lifetime? Like it was really good, okay. Did you? Do what? Yeah. How many's ever been on vacation? All right, here we go. Yes. In some people's world, it does, yeah. Here's the thing. When you plan a vacation, do you dread it? Do you look forward to it? Do you make plans? Do you start asking questions about what to do, what to see, where to go? To your friends, your family, people that may have been there already. How come we don't do that with heaven? It's right here. What I'm saying is, we look at death like the end. We should be looking like, no, listen, that's when it begins. That's when it starts, you know? I mean, like, don't get me wrong, you know, a four-year-old little boy or little girl dies. That's No, that's, that's terrible, Okay? But I asked, my, I asked the Lord one time, I was coming from my mom's mom's house, my grandmother, and I said, Lord, what are we going to do when, when Grandma Gun's gone? Because she, <clears throat> she was kind of the matriarch that held all the, you know, we all gathered at her house. Her house was maybe 1,000 square foot. There would be 954 people there, right? <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. I mean, literally, we'd have, what, 60, 65 people there in this little old cramped house. And then she had a little carport that we eventually um, um, enclosed and we would sit out there too, but that's where everything took place. It was at Grandma's house, right? And I'm driving down the lane, and the Lord said, uh, "Don't basically don't be depressed or upset that your grandmother has entered her reward, but be depressed or not depressed, but don't but rather be in the place where the world has lost a prayer warrior, in the sense that every day she called out my name, and my family's name, and everybody." She called them out. She would go get in her little rocking chair, and she'd get her Bible in her lap, and she would pray for all of her family by name. And it's like, wow. And I remember not thinking about that much, and then she passed, and she was like 96, 97. And um, I remember a couple of days like, ah, I felt kind of like, like things were heavy. Not like, you know, oh, but just kind of like, wow, what is this? And that thing came back to me. It was like, my grandma's not praying for me, right? But guess what? Jesus is. He's interceding for me at the right hand of the Father. You call it prayer, he's interceding. He's cheering me on. He's saying, you can do this. I know you can. Trust me. Okay, Lord, I can do this, right? So, but just to show you that time is a definite period. That's why when we talk about eternal life, it's like if I said to you, well, Let me just ask you this. How many knows how how much $33 trillion is? If you stacked it up in here, how high would it be? Let me tell you this. $33 trillion will not fit in here in $100 bills. It won't fit in this building. But we don't know that because we've never dealt with that kind of money. Some of you are going, I know what $33 looks like, right? (laughs) And it just slipped away, right? But what I'm saying is these numbers are so astronomical. Life, time. Time ceases to exist in God's kingdom. That's why the sun could stand still while they were fighting. That's why he could make water into wine. He took the time contendum out of it. It takes time to plant a grape seed, to watch it grow, to come to a bunch of grapes, to pick those grapes, to put them in a basket, to squish them down, to put the ingredients in there that cause them to ferment, and then wait the proper time for its ferment. Jesus did it like that because time in his kingdom, is an important in that aspect. He took that time out of there. That's a miracle in and of itself. We just see the water and wine we go, wow! But then we go, whoa, he took time out of that. Because it takes time to do those things, right? So in, in eternal life, we have to remember that we have to take the time. So we're talking to somebody, right? And we're telling them like, you know, have, Have you accepted Jesus? Do you have eternal life? And they go, what are you talking about? Eternal life. How do we explain this to them? What is it? We have reduced salvation down to saying a prayer. I'm going to kick some sacred cows. Saying a prayer has nothing to do with being saved. I'm not upset over the methodology. Okay? What are we trying to do? We say, say this prayer. Okay, and what we're trying to get them to see is, we want you to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. That's what the Bible says we're supposed to do, right? But what does that look like? So, if I start talking about eternal life and salvation, um, go down uh, one, two, three, the fourth paragraph, the night before, night before Christmas. The night before his crucifixion, Jesus was praying and he said, this is eternal life that you might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, John seventeen three. Let me just stop right there and tell you, this is one good reason to have the Bible hub. You can hit, go to John 17, 3, hit the number 3, and you're going to have about 15 different verses pop up or uh, translations of that one verse. And you can read those and you can be like, wow, this is incredible to see the comparison, right? There you go. Some of us are reading one translation. Nothing wrong with that. I like to study out of one translation, but when I, when I deep study, I like to have several translations, right? When I used to study, it was the table with 22 books out on it, right? Now it's just 22 tabs opened up on my computer, right? So when we, when we look at this, this is good to see these different translations, but I want you to notice this. So who you've got Bible Hub on your, are you, are you open? If you have Bible Hub, I want you to go to it and go to John 17. If you've got your phones, you can go there. Uh, if, you, if you need to just uh, find something, you can go to your Google and type in John 17, 3 Bible Hub, and it's going to take you right to it, okay? <laughs> Let's go to John 17. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's what this is, tablet. You can do it on your phone. You don't have to, you don't have to a- download the app right now. You can just do John 17, 3. Yes, yeah, go to the Bible. So you're going to pull up, and I'm, that's why, I, stupid TV. Um, you want to put John three Bible hub. Yeah, if you're just searching on Google, yeah. If you're on the Bible Hub, open up your Bible Hub, open it to the Bible, go to John 17.3. Yep, you're almost there. Go to, oh, up here. yep, oh, I see it. yep, okay. go to 17.3. So when we go to 17.3, then click the INT button. Which is an interlinear, which is a word-for-word translation. INT. You'll see it up at the top, uh, below that blue bar. You'll see all the you'll see all of the translations: NIV, NLT, ESV, B S uh, uh, B. You want to look for the INT, interlinear, which is below the New King James on my tablet. I don't know where it is on yours. Yes. Click that, and then you're going to get something that looks like this. It's going to have a bunch of gibberish in blue, and then in the red, it's going to be. The scripture, okay? So go down there until you see. They may know. That phrase, they may know. See that? And then click on the 1097. Make sure you don't hit the E. And then you're going to pull up this in the Greek. It's going to look like this. All right? 1097. Strong's word, 1097. All right? And it's hinoko, uh, hinoko. To come to know, recognize, perceive, usage, I am taking in knowledge, come to know, learn, I ascertain, realize. Now, in the helps word study, okay, so this is where people are like, hey, let's break this Greek down a little bit so people can kind of understand it. So it goes on, it says, properly to know, especially through personal experience, okay? So, you're all right. Um, right here that they may know 1097 touch 10 nope touch 1097 that is the Greek word for what we're looking at okay remember I said the Greek is pictorial right so this word is is creating a picture it's saying this is personal knowledge everybody let me ask you this how many knows who Mickey Mouse is raise your hand if you know who Mickey Mouse is okay liars ain't never one you ever met the original Mickey yeah (laughs) So to know, to know somebody, this is what this is saying. We use the word know like that. Oh, I know Donald Trump, but you don't, right? Oh, I know that guy. No, no, you don't. You might know him. You may even talk to him, but you don't know him. Yes, an acquaintance, right? No, this is, the Greek is saying, man, to know. Watch, read further So then it goes on. It says, personal experience, first-hand acquaintance, experiential know. Is used, for example, in Luke and Mary, a virgin said to the angel, How will this be, since I do not know sexual intimacy a man? What is it saying? Listen, this is the deepest knowledge that you can have. Adam knew Eve and produced Abel and Cain. To know someone... Hebrew language is the same as having a relationship with them. It doesn't always carry a sexual connotation, okay? So you can know someone, David and Jonathan knew each other, okay? Now, I don't want to go here. David and Jonathan were not homosexuals, okay? You have a very misguided and misunderstood Yes. Well, just like me and Yes. And you've experienced things with her, with her I right? right. Not. Yes. She's right, I Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Lindell knows when she's off too, yeah. This is this knowledge is covenant language. Okay? Yes sir. Yes. Well, I told y'all, I'm asking God about you know, some things and he takes me into this open vision uh, and we go in and we go to this restaurant. I'm making a long story short. We hear people. He says, what do you hear? And I'm trying to listen because God's asking me, what do I hear? I hear my mother's voice and I'm like, whoa, that's my mom. Well, how do I know that? I've lived with her for 18 years. I know her voice. All of y'all can be talking in here and I can hear my mom's voice. I can pick it out because my ears are trained to that. I don't need caller ID to tell me when my mom's on the other end of that phone or my dad or Sherry, right? Even if we don't understand, I mean, my wife doesn't have to speak to me right now and I can tell you what she's thinking by her face, (laughs) right? Um, We all know that. Y'all have all been to them parties and stuff, you know, and your spouse catches your eye across the room and goes, and you know, hey, I gotta go, right? (laughs) Right? It's like, time to leave, right? How do you, what? You know, you just know, right? And there's other times, uh, me and my best friend, Joe, y'all have heard me talk about Joe before. I can remember, um, this is when guys could still lay in bed with each other, right? It wasn't weird, right? But we're laying there, man, one night, and, and we're just talking about some stuff. And I would begin to tell him things that he was fixing to say to me. And he'd be like, that's weird, man. We, we did. We thought it was weird that we would finish each other's sentences. But we knew each other. We knew each other. I knew when when he was telling me something, I knew if it was absolute truth, because I could tell by the way he was telling me, right? Or if he was trying to pull my leg or whatever. I mean, I knew. I didn't have to tell him, what are we going to do Friday night or Saturday night or whatever? We just got together, and something happened. And it just so happened that both of us were probably fixing to go do that thing, right? I mean, it just, it just that's how it was. When you get to know somebody, that's what this is talking. What is eternal life based on this scripture? when are you going to ever know all about God? Guess what you're going to spend the rest of your eternal life doing, which started when you said yes to God, knowing Him. And yet we don't know anything about Him. We say some of the stupidest stuff. Well, I guess this cancer, God's trying to show me. Stop it. Stop it. Number one, there will be no cancer in heaven. And if we understand the scripture, it says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is not common language. This is crazy out there language. Well, I don't believe that. Okay, you don't have to believe it. But I'm telling you, if it's right here, here's another thing. Let everything be established in the mouths of two or more witnesses. Right? I couldn't come and just make an accusation against... Glenda, I had to have another person if I wanted to be right, okay? You can make an accusation. Actually, that's a bearing of false witness, right? But if I wanted to do that, I would have to take somebody with me that saw that. A woman that was accused of adultery had to be in the mouths of two or more witnesses. They had to see this thing happen, right? We're going to find some interesting things in Scripture later on, but... But it had to be an amount of if Jesus is saying it more than once, if it's being said more than once, we probably ought to pay attention to this, Amen. right? Don't get me wrong. Some of the things that we're going to talk about are non-heaven or hell issues, okay? How many believe that you have to be baptized in order to go to heaven? It's it's not a heaven or hell issue, but it's a heaven or hell issue (laughs) in the sense that God commanded us and said, this is what you should do. As a follower of Christ, we should be getting baptized, but we need to understand what that means, right? It doesn't mean that we just haphazardly go get in a tank. Some of us did, right? I've been baptized twice. First time I got baptized, I was like seven years of age. I had no concept of what I was doing. I'm not saying that there's not a seven-year-old that can't. I didn't, okay? I didn't know if I wanted Fruit Loops or Frosted Flakes when I got robbed. Right? I, I didn't, surely didn't know what baptism was. I had nobody that sent me down and said, this is what baptism was. I just saw people doing it. I thought, man, this is what I want to do. I wasn't afraid of the water, right? Let me tell you who, who understood baptism. My uncle. I had an uncle who was crippled from birth. He had spina bifida, and uh, he had a sack. And back in the day, you either cut the sack off and you were crippled or you lived with it, and you probably died young. Right at the time he passed away, uh, which spina bifida did not kill him, uh, he had a brain aneurysm and uh, he went on, on the operating table to clean a shunt out in his head. and He had a brain aneurysm and was gone at like 55. Too short, too short. Um, we didn't have the understanding that we have now. I say we, family, right? Anyway, Tom could not swim and um, he decided he wanted to get baptized. It took six grown men to get him into a tub. And they let him push him under the water, a man who could not swim, right? Horrified, gr- terrified of the water. But he said, no, Jesus wants me to do it. I'm going to do it. I mean, that's, th- that's awesome. I mean, that makes us go, yeah, he understood, right? But we're going to talk about baptism, too. You're going to see. We're going to talk about what is baptism. How do you talk to your friends about baptism? Have you ever been baptized? Yeah, I got baptized when I was six. Really? Are you saved? Yeah, I got sprinkled when I was over at the church, right? Yeah, they was having a drive-by service one day, and I went over. There. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Ooh, but yeah, but we know your past, Miss Jean. I, yeah. yeah, three's enough. Three is enough. Yeah, I love it, and that's the truth. We're, we'll talk about and listen. I, I don't want to shy away from hard things. We're going to talk about some doctrines that churches have, and one of them is: is if you don't get baptized, you can't make it to heaven. That, there, there, there's no. I'm just going to. Here's the key to the answers. There's no scriptural evidence of that. Okay, you can have that belief. I'm not mad at you because you do, but there's no scriptural evidence of that. And do we believe what, what the non-denominational denomination believes, or do we believe what the Baptist or Methodist or just insert your denomination here, do we believe what they believe, or do we believe what the Bible says? Right? So that's what we, we want to focus on, is what does the Scripture say? If you get mad because the Scriptures say X, you're not mad at me. You're going to take it take that up with God. Right? So we're going, to, we're going to touch on some of these hot-button topics and issues, and we're going to walk through them and say, okay, what is it that I believe? Like with eternal, eternal life, with salvation, a lot of us don't talk about it to our friends or, or try to explain it because we don't understand it in and of ourselves, right? How does someone become saved? What does the Scripture say? How do you get this? So we're going to have... Eternal life. Those of us who've said yes to Jesus, we're going to have eternal life. And the eternal life is getting to know God. All right? Yes? yes? How do you get saved? Anybody? Yeah, y'all heard me say that. <laughs> I, I, what would you tell somebody if they said, man, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I'd, I'd like to get saved. Hey, I like that one. Keep us in business, Bill. So, but you guys see what I'm saying? Y'all are looking at me like I got six fingers and six toes, okay? What would you say to them? Let me answer the question. Most of you in here grew up associated with some kind of a church. And you would say, say this prayer with me. Father, for I have sinned. I ask you to come into my heart right now. I accept your sacrifice. Right? Yeah, and listen, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? Hear me out. But did that prayer save them? See, we do these flybys and these drivebys, right? And we say, "Hey, if you want to get saved, raise your hand." All right, now say this prayer with me, and they do, and then they go, "Congratulations, you're saved. Good luck on the rest of your journey." Right? There's more to it than this. What if, if someone says now to me, how, "What do I got to do to be saved?" Well, the Bible talks about repentance. Jesus said you have to repent. That just means that you quit doing what you've been doing, right? You, that means you change your mind and you turn and you start following His way of doing things. That's the simplest way to put it. But you have to believe that in your heart and you confess that with your mouth, is what the scriptures say. And the way you receive it, we're told in Ephesians, is that it is a free gift. There's nothing you could do to earn it, you'll never deserve it, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be bad enough. It's a free gift. And what you do with that gift is when you receive it, if I gave you a gift for your birthday, anniversary, whatever, Christmas, and you said, oh, oh my goodness, look at this wrapping paper. this, is, And you put a little, did you make this? Here? Yeah, oh, my God, this is amazing. And the next time you saw them, they were still carrying it, you'd be like, did you not ever open that? No, look at the package. You got to open it. You got to open it up and see what's in the box. Know him, right? You just said yes to a change of venue. If you want to be saved, the Bible says you got to pick up your cross. See, we don't want to tell people that. But we want to tell them like, look, there's it's going to be tough. I tell people this all the time. Jesus never promised you an easy life. He promised you a new life. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, Can you imagine? Everybody's here. We're all here, right? And we have this wedding ceremony, right? I do, I do. Sick or death, rich or poor, all those things. Yes, amen. Hello, oh, Father. And we walk away and be like, I love you. But we never. Well, I'm married. Look, I got a ring to prove it. I don't because it's smashed. But. but you see what I'm saying? We wear all the signs, and I'm not mad because y'all got crosses on, okay? We wear all the signs, we wear all the t-shirts, we wear all the bumper stickers, we've got all the lingo, right? But what do we call someone who says all the lingo, has all the stuff, but they're not? Yeah. Yeah. It's a not not, been in that's not, that's the Yeah. All of us who are either married or have been married in this place or whatever, how many would be willing to say there's some there's some tough times in there occasionally, right? Amen. You put your hand down. Amen. My wife. <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. Guess what when you, when we're walking with the Lord, there's going to be some tough times. There was tough that we saw it. Jesus was kind enough, God was good enough in His scriptures to show humans having problems, but they can get over them. He took His best men and said, "Peter, before you, before the days over, the, before the rooster crows, you're going to die. Three- Not me, Lord. I'll go to hell with you." Jesus, you tell them that you're coming and hell's coming with you. You can just see with the cow out on, can't you? <laughs> Looking at Jesus, I'm your ride or die. Jesus, just go, sure. okay. Now you're really pushing it, lady. <laughs> it is. And that's the unfortunate part. I mean, your story's not uncommon.
1: Right, and I know that. That's
0: yeah. So okay, let's, let's answer your question. That that let's answer your question, okay? This goes in light of what we're talking about salvation. How do we explain that, okay? So Eva's question is, is it not our responsibility that if we lead somebody to the Lord, or even if we see someone out here that does love the Lord, maybe they don't know any better, right? Are we supposed to come alongside of them? And help them. Is that our responsibility? Okay. How many... I better not do that because that could come off sounding bad. There are no scriptures that tell us to make converts. But it says to make disciples. However, the churches have done a very poor job of doing that. We get you converted and then say, hey... We get upset when the world says things like you do you, right? Your truth, whatever your truth looks like, and yet we do it in the Christian circle all the time. Well, that, you know, that's your truth. I, I see where you're coming from. No, look, that's not what the scriptures say. And we explain away people's behaviors by saying, Well maybe they're not well boy, you talk about a can of worms. We got twenty minutes. You two ladies cannot ask nothing. <laughs> Have you got one? Hang on, a minute. okay, go. If I told you that there are hierarchies in heaven, would you believe me? Okay, so it says that when we get there, there's going to be some that are going to be loners. Let's just call it that way, right? Right, Steve? And then, uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. <coughs> there's going to be some that's going to be over tens, hundreds, thousands, right? Who are the ones that's going to be the tens, hundreds? Those are the ones that have, who have shown themselves faithful in a little. I will give you much, Right? There are going to be some people that's going to come into this kingdom, right, that are, they've been a Christian for 55 years, and yet they're still battling the same demons they had on day one, right? Yeah. It, 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 there again, are they Christians? Yes, they're real Christians, Yes. Yes. And we all talk about babes mm-hmm. Milk and like meat.
1: One of them is
0: Technon. Right.
1: It's like the teenager. Yeah. You're like a teenager in the in your salvation, yeah. you walk with the Lord. And then the scripture that says there are many teachers among you, but there's not many fathers. That's
0: papillon, I believe. humbly? I you're you're stretching me now. Well, it's been a long time. Since yeah. we've done if we brought that to a physical understanding if any of you in here had a child that was not walking by the time they were five years of age you would be searching out every specialist you could find to find out why your kid's not walking we do not do that in the Christian arena oh you're 47 year old Christian and you're still crawling hey good job you're going to make it one day Wait. <laughs> okay. Yep. Smarter than like I got me. Smarty pants. Yes. Yeah. let's talk about this what about There's the people the that come in, that in the 11th hour yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it does I mean and it, I don't want to pick on any particular denomination but there well as a matter of fact Larry and I talked about this we had a there was a, a ministerial it wasn't called the ministerial Alliance at that time but it was the ministers we get together every now and then we'd have lunch okay I was a youth pastor at the time. He was like, I want you to go with me. And I'm like, I don't want to go with thing, I'm boring about your old people. <laughs> so we go down there and I'm sitting next to, to Larry and there's a couple other pastors across the table from us and we're, just, we're eating lunch and we're just talking. And so the uh, the topic came up of sermon prep. And somebody said, well, like, what do you do sermon prep wise? And basically Larry was like, well, every week, you know, it's different. I just I, I seek the Lord and What's the word for the people? And they're like, what? Like, wow. And it, Yeah, and this one lady said, you know what? She said, someone asked her, and she said, well, I have my whole entire year planned out. So I have this book, and I'm like, wow. I sure hope the Holy Spirit can get online with you know, what you got going on, right? Don't get me wrong. I'm not mad at her, okay? But I'm just like, I mean, are we, are we, are we doing just something out of, habit or are we really wanting to feed people something so Myra said something interesting when I got saved I was five I didn't want to go to hell let's look at eternal life from this point okay and and I'm using this now so if if you and I are talking and I ask you this question don't be offended okay why did you come into the kingdom are you sure that's why you came in I'm, I'm asking. Can I, ask, can I tell you this? You don't have to answer the question. You only have to shake your head, okay? Most of us came into the kingdom so we didn't have to go to hell. Or we came into the kingdom for what God could do for us. I, my butt's in a sling. I hate to be rude and crude and socially unacceptable, but I got myself between a rock and a hard spot here. And Jesus, I need you. That's the day I got saved, right? Instead of saying, Lord... I surrender my life to you. Here I am, your humbled servant. If you never gave me anything ever again, eternal life's enough, right? I mean, that's a completely different perspective than just what can, you know, John F. Kennedy, right? Ask not what your government can do for you, but what you can do for your government, right? They would take his head off nowadays, (laughs) right? Yes, they did. No pun intended. <laughs> right. I I learned more about God went Okay, hold that thought for just a second, okay? Because this is, this is good. So she's saying that she got saved when she was five, but when she was 12, she rededicated, okay? What is the word rededicated? I mean, these are all right. I'm just, I'm asking, what does rededicated mean? You may put it in simple terms for you. Didn't believe first nope. <laughs> Myra, when she was 12, began to know God differently. But we use Christian language that says, well, I got rededicated. I'm not, I'm not mad at you, okay? But I'm saying... The world doesn't understand that what rededicated, what are you talking about? And from that, we start getting all kinds of things like, oh, well, I got saved when I was five, but I got saved again when I was nine because I was living kind of in a bad place, and then I got saved when I was 21. No, you didn't. The scriptures do not say, you must be born again, again. The Bible says you are born again, once. I'm going to settle this argument once and for all. Once saved, always saved, is a biblical doctrine. But you have to believe. You have to believe. And some so let me ask I think out of fear, out of whole congregation, that fear hell, that's not believing. I think, and we could probably take that and d- dissect that in a lot of different, put it under a microscope, there might be some truth somewhere in there. But at the same time, there's probably a whole lot of falsehoods. I wouldn't want to be like, yeah, I wouldn't want to be in that place. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm saying, yes, but I just said, a lot of us came into the kingdom. What can the kingdom do for me? That's a wrong motive. But Jesus said, let's try this, right? And he was so kind and so merciful and so gentle and kept saying, hey, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. And then we start reading. We go, We go. We get to Myra's point, and we go. Oh, am I really saved? Yes, she was really saved, but in her mind, she's going. I got to get rededicated. No, you're just knowing more about God. He is revealing Himself. The revelation's coming, and you're going. What do I do with this? I got to get saved again. Yes. (coughs) Yes. <coughs> yeah. Wiser and smarter. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where we are. Yes, sir. I'm going to go to it. If Mike is not right, I know I am, right? I'm going down to yeah. the altar. Yeah. You know, and so I go down to the altar, you know, and, and so like I get saved every Sunday, you know. Yeah. And, uh, well, anyway, I got saved. But he was my savior. That's all I knew. It yeah. wasn't until I was oh, nearly 30 years old that yeah. I made it to my life. Yeah. And that was when, because I had a brand new Bible I got at graduation, and 10 years later, it was a brand new Bible. Yeah. Well, and and I've explained this to you guys before and told you this, that if I broke out some of the letters that Sherry and I wrote back and forth to each other in the Marine Corps, I could read them to you, some of them, and you would be like, oh, that was sweet. Like if she was saying, I can't wait till you come home and we're going to picnic underneath that tree. Now, she never wrote that because we never picnicked under a tree, but... (laughs) If she said some language like that, you would develop a picture in your mind of her and I sitting under this tree, having a picnic, the sun's sh- the birds are chirping, Bambi's coming up and getting on our little picnic, you know, y'all would have a picture. But I would have a different picture than you because I experienced that moment, okay? I told you about passing through a dump truck when I was a kid, 16 years of age, went around a curve, uh, left of center. The dump truck coming around the other side was left of center. We passed each other. Through each other. And you go, I don't believe you. I don't care if you do or not. I was there. It doesn't make me go, well, whatever. I'm okay with you not believing me. I experienced it. Why is God called by all these names? Why is he called Jehovah Javrah? Why is he called Jehovah Sidkenu Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Elohim? Why is it Yahshua Yashem Why is it why is he all these? Because he is the multi-breasted one. See, we hear that and we think, oh, vulgar. No, because they understood in the Hebrew, that's where life came from, mama's breast. God's got, I got everything you ever needed. He's not saying, hey, come up here and suck on me, right? <laughs> People get crazy, man. They just, they turn things into some strazy stuff, right? He's saying, look, I am the multi-breasted one. Everything that you could possibly need in life is going to come from me, Right? Wow. Yeah, in a lot of in, in some of the things they were right on. There was a few things that they took some poetic license. That maybe got you know, if it didn't, if it didn't step across, it really pushed a boundary, right? So these are the things. Why would they? Why would they understand that if you hold up a snake on a this bronze snake on this stake on this cross that they would be healed? Because they understood Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals us. They understood everything that's on the pole is cursed, right? So they saw that, they were like, oh, here's our redemption. Here's our Redeemer, right? So this is why we get to know God. He's revealing Himself to us all the time. So let's go back to the "once saved, always saved, before we get too far off that, okay? We use verbiage, and we use language. Language is important, right, Mrs. McKenzie? How we put things together and how we say can mean things. So we say this question. Well, I think you can lose your salvation, okay? There is nothing in Scripture that says you can lose your salvation. You lose your car keys, you lose your wallet, some of you lose your mind, okay? But you don't lose your salvation. If you want to go back and look at it, we don't have time to go into it, not now, but if you go to Hebrews 6, it's going to give you a litmus test, but you can forfeit your salvation, you can give it back, just like you do a free gift. But if you do know this, the Bible says there's no hope for you. Because Jesus would have to go get back on a cross, which he's not going to do. So what does that, mean? that means you're done. No. It means you're going to hell. It means no, it's no, over. No, no. I'm just kidding. I mean, <laughs> you're going to make me go there. Golly. Hebrews chapter 6. Yep. well, let me let's let's look at this. Here's the thing: we say that we go. I got this friend; he was a Christian. Now he's not. He's not saved. Hang on. Hebrews is going to give us a litmus. Okay. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Do we have choice? Do we have free will? Those kinds of things. So Hebrews six says this, and he's, he's making this. Um, you know, he says, let's stop going over basic teachings about Christ again and again, laying on of hands. I mean, look at what he's saying is basic to Christianity, okay? Um, we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds. Okay, we, we, we would all agree that's pretty basic, right? and placing our uh, faith in God, you don't need further instructions about baptism the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. He's calling these things basic, and we still, we can't get past the first one, repentance. All right? But he goes on, number four, for it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened. Let me say this, this would be a good place for you to be in your notebooks writing down Hebrews 6, 4, look on the interlinear what these words mean, okay? Because we read these in the New King James, New International, ASV, BC, BQ, LDL, whatever version, and we don't know what they mean. We don't know what the Greek means, but let me tell you this. Don't just study the Greek. Go back to the Hebrew understanding of what these words mean that they're trying to convey to a Greek audience. Okay? So it goes on. To bring back to repentance those who are once enlightened means they were saved. They had an experience with God. Let me ask you this. How do you judge someone's experience with God? You can't. Okay. Okay. Those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing Him to the cross once again and holding Him up to public shame. What is the writer of Hebrews saying? There can come a place in someone's life that they no longer want this gospel, if you will. But the litmus is, is they had to have had an experience with God, okay? Now, there are people that say, well, I, I got saved when I was three, but I don't believe that Jesus crap anymore, right? And it's like, dude, you, let's go back to Kelly. I don't know if you're really saved, okay? And I don't mean that to be judgmental. I'm just saying, hang on here, okay? Well, I think you're just being too judgmental on her. No no no. no, no, wait,
1: wait, no let me you.
0: Words mean you. something, even. Yes. she
1: you actually,
0: totally... Yeah, and and I hear people say this all the time too. Like um um they'll say like I don't believe in God and all that kind of stuff. That's not a reprobate person, right? That's not. That's somebody that's speaking out of ignorance, right? Yes, we pray for people. I'm just saying. I used to not. I, I. I somewhat jokingly. I used to think that I've never met a reprobate person in my life, right? Like everybody's redeemable. And then about six years, I got hooked up into some of this political stuff, and I'm like reprobate, 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 reprobate. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Maybe a couple of them, but uh. Yeah, I mean, so that's where we are. So, how we say things, how we're talking about eternal life, um, can I just say this, and we'll close with this? Let's go back to what did you come into the kingdom for? Without a show of hands, everybody in here probably has somebody in their family, their sphere of, of circle of friends, or whatever, that at one time loved God. And when I say love God, I mean like they lived for Him, right? And now they've been hurt, whatever that looks like. And they've turned away from the church and said, I don't want anything to do with it, right? Because they got in a bind and God did not show up and and fix their problems like they needed them to. And therefore, I'm not serving that God. Well, you never were. I'm not trying to be mean. You came into the kingdom looking for what can God do for me. The beautiful part is, is that God is going to do something for you. He's that good, Right? But it's not about us coming into the kingdom for what he can do for us. It's what what can we do for you, God. I am your servant. I wish I had. Little rascals, I wish my sister was a monkey. (laughs) That's how we do Christianity a lot, right? I need a new car. I need a new house. I need a new job, right? Lord, wherever you plant me. I'm going to flourish because you said everywhere my feet tread is holy ground. If you send me to that God-forsaken ream plant, I'm going to shine in there. A yeah. Make your hair fall out, but other than that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's shining. <laughs> Why? Because we're supposed to be thermostats and not thermometers. We don't tell the room, oh, it's about 72 in here. We go, y'all need it colder? Watch this, 68. We affect the atmosphere. But because we don't know the basics, because we have forgotten our first love, because we don't understand covenant language, we kind of just kind of get in the flow and just go where all the other fish are going. Every now and then we'll flip a fin up and be like, I'm a Christian. <laughs> God's like, no, 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 no. shine. I mean, this stuff sounds very basic, and it is, and unfortunately, we've got to cover some of this ground when we get out to this more meaty stuff. Y'all's not going, (laughs) we're choking on stuff, right? You're used to milk, right? Okay, we're going to start picking off some things and start giving some meat, amen? Anybody got, oh, I hate to say this, anybody any questions real quick? Yes, ma'am. yeah yeah in
1: the yeah and start in the church,
0: out there for well, there was a reason and we didn't get to talk about this, so maybe we'll talk about this next Wednesday uh we'll definitely well we may even talk uh yeah we're not talk about this Sunday, but if you remember when the covenant was cut between Abraham and God. When Abraham cut the animals, it said the birds came, and he had to shoo them off. And we read that, and we go, well, that's interesting kind of tidbit of illustration. But remember, Old Testament is a top and shadow of New Testament. Do we have any illustration of birds coming and taking something away in the New Testament? Yeah, what's he wanting to do? He wants to get that seed as quickly as he can so that there's no maturation of it. That bird come to get that sacrifice, to destroy it, to con- to consume it, and or to defile it. Abraham, hey, get out of here, right? Felt like he was in hell. Yeah, But it also gave me a fear of God that
1: was that I did fear the power of God, that He is God. Yeah. but they maybe didn't go past that.
0: Yeah. Right. And that's what the covenants are about. You come in through the blood covenant, which is fear. And what I mean by that, holy fear, right? This amazing God has asked me to come in a covenant with him, right? But it's a death-to-you-part covenant, right? There ain't no, well, God, I think today, no, off with his head. I mean, <laughs> it's severe. But then when we start talking about, uh, on Sundays, we'll start talking about the salt and the sandal covenant and then the marriage covenant. Uh, like Miss Jean was saying, until we have that consummation, until we have that, that intimacy with God, I mean, are we really saved? We are. <laughs> I'm just saying, but we come into these different levels, right? And if we're not careful, we'll look at someone that's just come in, and we'll be like, well, why aren't you doing it? How could you possibly have that idea when you had maybe not that idea, but similar ideas that were wrong, and as you've matured, you went, oh, wait, maybe that was wrong thinking on my end, right? So that's why God says, Hey, we're gonna give some grace and we're gonna give some mercy here. Right? Now, if somebody's just blatantly living diabolically, you know, opposed to God, then yeah, we're probably gonna be like, Yeah, I don't think that's a good thing for you to be doing, right? That's why we stand and we say abortion's not right. I'm not mad at you. I'm saying this thing is not good, right? This is not in God's plan. And if you say, I'm a believer, you're not following Scripture by doing He's saying so I'm just using that that's one of many. If we stop though we'll probably take an actual exam of our life we're going hmm, I'm kind of not too far from well but that's up here and mine's down no no there is somewhat of a, a scale if you will but not, not in the sense that we understand it like well that's good and that's bad and blah, blah, blah if you remember what was what was Moses' sin that cost him? The Promised Land. Disobedience. God said, Speak to that rock. And he was mad and he hit it. God said, Here comes the water. But Moses, you ain't going to the Promised Land. What? And that, that goes back to covenant. It's a, it's a it's a, legitimate question, yeah. Yep, yep, it was harsh. That's why we have a better covenant. <laughs> Hallelujah, we'd all be dead. Ain't none of us be here, right? Yeah, hey, I'd be talking like this anyway. <laughs> my mom would knock my teeth out, yeah. <laughs> Well, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time to come together and just study your word, just to see the goodness of your heart that you have given to us. And sometimes we walk through this thing, and, and um, maybe we're just um, kind of walking around with our head in the sky and don't really have any kind of intention, but you made this on purpose. You designed us this, this way. You designed us to be connected to you, and we say thank you for that. We want to be connected to you. We wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night. We'd be somewhere else doing what we wanted to do. But we're here and we want to be here because we want to know you better. We want to know your word inside and out. We want to get a grasp